Good job, guys. Good morning, Storyline. It's good to be together here. Another day at the park. I have a few announcements for us this morning. Um, here we go. Wow, Jen, the font is so small on this. Oh, uh, this month, uh, August, we have five Sundays. And when there's five Sundays, we uh, typically on the fifth Sunday, we go out and we serve in our impact events. Uh, in the summer, we usually use it for a baptism a baby dedication and brunch. And that's exactly what we're gonna do on Sunday, August 29th. You can visit the hub 
right over here at this table. I'll be there afterwards as well for more information about that Sunday. Um, we also have some cards that you can take as a reminder. Uh, our very own Kesia Diroli is, um, has adapted and is directing the play, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner at the Ghost Light Theater. They've had a couple shows. She said it's gone great. And then today, there's a 3 o'clock show. And afterwards, I will be facilitating a, a talkback session with um, anybody. You don't have to go to the show. It starts at about 5 o'clock. And uh, that a, will be a, a discussion about race and race relations in the Twin City areas. And so um, I'm excited about that. You, uh, please feel free to join us for that. Um, if you want to know more about Storyline, we have information cards that look like this. They're at the hub. If you fill those out, give us your email address. Um, we can uh, let you know what's happening when and where, and you can be caught up to date on what's happening with Storyline. So we're really excited about uh, you being here this morning. We'd love to have you uh, get in touch with us. Uh, I love to meet with folks and answer questions and, and get more than one suggestion about how we can do better. So this morning, um, we have a great opportunity to hear from my dear friend, Jill McNabney. She's been a part of Storyline since the beginning. She is a, a teacher at Lakeshore High School, just a fabulous teacher, unbelievable educator. She's uh, also just brilliant in so many other ways, helps me so often with many of my talks. And so I'm really excited that we're going to get to hear from her this morning. So enjoy. I 
Good morning. Uh, it's good to be together this morning. Um, you know, when the pandemic first started and we began online gatherings, Mike told me that he would never ask me to do one because it was just too difficult. And I think I did a couple of those. Um, and then when we moved outside, he told me he would never ask me to speak at the park because it's just so different. Yet, here we are. Uh, you know, I don't know if this is him showing confidence in me or just his way of saying, Jill, you're difficult and different. This is perfect for you. Uh, so we'll see how this goes. Uh, I hope everyone has had a good summer. I've spent mine working at Notre Dame uh, doing a research experience for teachers. And it's not the first time I've done this program, but every other summer I've been in a biology lab researching like plants and butterflies and climate change, you know, things that are like very much in my wheelhouse. But this summer, I was in a computer science lab researching the inherent bias in facial recognition software, uh, like why certain genders and races are recognized more accurately than others, um, which is so far outside my area that like I might as well have been coaching their football team. I mean, for the first three weeks at the end of every day, the same thought would run through my head, like, what the heck just happened here? Um, my friends would ask me, like, how it was going and what I was learning and what I was doing. And, you know, like, I honestly couldn't tell them because I didn't know. And so this has been a summer of asking a lot of questions, getting answers I don't really understand, 
and discovering there's a lot more I don't know than I do know. Um, the, spe the specific project I worked on this summer was why facial recognition algorithms are more accurate for men than for women. And my lab had already looked at things like, is it because women's hairstyles tend to cover parts of their face, or is it because women wear makeup? Um, and both of those things seem to play a small role uh, in the accuracy bias, but not enough to account for all of it. And so I was asked to look into the idea that maybe it's because women tend to have smaller faces than men. So for the past seven weeks, I've looked at thousands, I mean, literally thousands of images of faces, I've taken meticulous measurements, I've collected and analyzed mountains of data, and I actually made this really amazing discovery. Face size doesn't matter at all. <laughs> but one of the things I love about science is that being wrong is just as important and valuable as being right. Um, Daniel Kahneman is a Nobel Prize winning psychologist who says that he genuinely enjoys discovering when he's wrong because it means that now he's less wrong than he was before. And he says, and I love this, discovering where he's wrong is really the only way he knows that he's actually learned anything. And so that's what I'd like to try to take a look at this morning. How can we personally and the church generally follow this example that being wrong is as important and valuable as being right. Because discovering we're wrong is also discovering that we're learning and growing. Now, traditionally, this is one area where religions tend to fall short in a big way. I mean, often faith is equated with having certainty about a series of complex, often confusing, and usually unprovable beliefs. But ironically, it's acknowledging how little we actually know that's at the core of the growing and mature faith almost all the heroes of the Bible seem to share. So let's establish a few things as we dive into this. First, we are a believing species. I mean, we believe all kinds of different things, some rational, some irrational, some silly, some true, and some just plain weird. Um, according to Guy Harrison in his book, 50 Popular Beliefs People Think Are True, when it comes to weird beliefs, Accepting them seems to be more natural or more human than rejecting them. A recent Gallup poll said that three out of every four Americans profess to hold the belief in either ghosts, astrology, or reincarnation. And more than half of all American adults have at least two paranormal beliefs, while a quarter say they believe five or more. But belief is not only prevalent for us culturally, it's also a part of our DNA. It's part of who we are biologically. I mean, we are wired to believe. And by the way, by belief, I simply mean accepting things to be true, even though they may not be able to be proven. And you know, some scientists even say that we have a gene that predisposes us to believe. They call it the God gene. I mean, its real name is actually SLC18A2. I think God gene sounds like just a little better, right? Um, and this gene codes for the release of specific chemicals in the brain, like dopamine and serotonin, chemicals that are linked to feelings of well-being and happiness when we believe in anything. And so the question is not whether or not we're the kind of person who believes or doesn't believe. Mike talked about this a few weeks ago. We all clearly do believe, 
and we were apparently, to some degree at least, made to believe in something. The question is, why do we believe in what we do? Now, no one believes in something they know to be false. You know, when we figure out that it's not true, we generally stop believing in it. But when our beliefs are proven to be false, it can feel like the very foundation of our lives has been shattered. Werner Heisenberg discovered the Heisenberg Uncertainty Principle, which is the basis for quantum mechanics and one of the top five discoveries ever made in the field of physics. I mean, it made him world famous and it won him a Nobel Prize. But he was in despair and he had the feeling that his discovery was causing the ground to be cut out from underneath him because what he discovered proved that almost everything he believed about physics before that was wrong. And Albert Einstein used almost identical language when discussing his theories of relativity. He said there was no longer a firm foundation upon which his ideas could be built. You know, discovering we're wrong about what we believe may be a sign of growth, learning, and progress, but it doesn't feel good. My niece, Grace, is going into her senior year of high school this fall. And you know, she's always enjoyed school and been pretty good at it. And I remember when she was younger, she would spend time during the summer writing book reports and doing homework that she made up for herself, which, you know, that's not normal, but hey, she loved to learn. So a couple of weeks ago, I asked her what she was reading this summer, and she said, nothing. I mean, that's a typical teenager, right? Um, so while it's unusual for an eight-year-old to write book reports for fun in the summer, it's not abnormal for kids to be curious and to really thirst for knowledge and truth. But at some point along the line, Grace lost this desire, as do most kids, and as many adults do. And we lose this kind of curiosity and thirst for knowledge and truth, and we just start accepting things without really thinking through them or asking tough questions. A poll taken in 2019 shows that after graduating from high school, one-third of Americans never read another book for the rest of their lives. 42% of college graduates never read another book after college. And 80% of American families did not buy or read a single book in all of 2018. I mean, this is obviously an education issue, but it's also a belief issue. We are so predisposed to believe for cultural, biological, and comfortable reasons that if we aren't actively seeking the truth, we'll fall for anything.
So this is a great line from that song. All this time I was finding myself and I didn't know I was lost. It reminds me of something Jesus said. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And you know, we often rephrase this statement as having faith like a child. But having a childlike faith does not mean accepting everything as told and never questioning. Because if you look at kids, they're exactly the opposite. They question everything. In fact, why is a question kids start asking early on, and by their teenage years, they've turned it into an art form. CS, according to C.S. Lewis, Christ never meant that we were to remain children in intelligence. On the contrary, he told us to not only be as harmless as doves, but also as wise as serpents. He wants a child's heart, but a grown-up's head. He wants us to be simple, single-minded, affectionate, and teachable as good children are, but he also wants every bit of intelligence we have. Believing is easy. Being skeptical is hard. It's difficult to ask tough questions, to seek out truth, and to really pinpoint what we believe and why we believe it. And one of the reasons this can be so difficult is because there are so many questions we don't have answers to. There are so many unanswered and unanswerable questions out there in every realm of life, not just science and religion. You know, I'm a sports fan, and growing up in this area, I have always wondered, what is up with Lions fans and Cubs fans? I mean, they are a mystery. But facing mysteries and tough questions doesn't mean we should just stop asking. It seems to me that this has very little to do with our intelligence and everything to do with our curiosity, awareness, and ability to discern the truth. And religion hasn't helped much in this realm because of its focus on having correct beliefs in order to belong. Remember, beliefs are things that we hold tight no matter what the evidence suggests regarding their validity. But beliefs and faith are two very different things. Faith has no preconceptions. Faith is a plunge into the unknown in the search for truth and goodness. Now, belief clings to what it knows, what's required to belong. But faith does the opposite. Faith lets go. It asks questions and faces mystery. One writer described the difference between faith and beliefs like this. Faith is like looking at the sky through a clear or open window with an openness to accepting it as it is, blue or gray, light or dark, starry or sunny, rainy or fair. But beliefs are like blue paint that people decide to apply to the window glass to be sure it will always be the color they wish it to be. I mean, when you think about it this way, it begins to make sense why it was the most religious people, the people with the deepest beliefs, who disliked and even hated Jesus the most because he's inviting us into the life of faith. I mean, here's the great irony in all of this, or at least it is for me. When I start questioning and doubting and being skeptical, my beliefs can get bruised, but my faith blooms. You know, doubt and honest questions are like scraping the blue paint from the window, which frees us to see the world and ourselves in it as we actually are.
You know, beliefs may shield us from the uncertainties of life, but they don't help us to see the sky, the possibilities. They don't help us to have a childlike faith, a curious heart on the quest for truth and goodness. And our hesitation to this kind of openness is understandable. I mean, maybe it's helpful to think about it this way. Because our beliefs are so primary to the development of ourselves, oftentimes once we develop them, we hold on tight and we never question them. And this is one of the things I love about storyline. I mean, questions aren't ducked here. Doubts don't disqualify. Curiosity is cultivated here. And we never make belonging dependent on believing. But throughout history, it seems like religion has had a tendency to squash people's questions and curiosity. You know, they say things like, just believe, as thinly veiled code for stop questioning, which is really just another way of saying stop thinking. And it's because of this that Christians have often been labeled by our culture as non-thinking, outdated, uninformed people. And you know, tragically, that can at times be true when we stop questioning and stop thinking. But this is a false choice. I mean, the life of faith is not the choice between believe or think. And this is something that I deal with on a daily basis for about six weeks at the end of every school year as I teach my biology classes. You know, suddenly some of my most curious and intelligent kids who all throughout the year have asked great questions, who really like science and they've shown so much promise, just shut down. Why? Because it's the unit on evolution. Don't get me wrong, my point here has nothing to do with evolution. I'm not saying you should or shouldn't believe in it. My point is, some of my students have been told that evolution is off limits because it conflicts with the Bible. That there are certain topics that we just shouldn't question or think through. I have a friend who has a 10-year-old daughter who for the longest time wanted to be a scientist when she grows up. And a few months ago that changed and so her mom asked her why. And this little girl said, I can't be a scientist because scientists believe in evolution. At the age of 10, she's been convinced to believe in something and to base her life on that belief without ever having had the opportunity to seek out the truth for herself. I mean, is that childlike faith? Don't get me wrong, again, my point here has nothing to do with evolution. I'm not saying you should or shouldn't believe in it. My point is, if we're not careful, we will equate unanswered questions with unanswerable questions. And then when things really are difficult to understand and deal with, we won't even try. But this is not what we see happening in the Bible. There are numerous examples in the Bible where people are encouraged to and even commended for questioning and really seeking out the truth, and where they're condemned for being too gullible and just accepting everything at face value. Um, we've been going through the book of Luke this summer, and that entire book starts by saying this. So many others have tried their hand at putting together a story of the wonderful harvest of scripture and history that took place among us, using reports handed down by the original eyewitnesses who served this word with their very lives. Since I have investigated all the reports in close detail, starting from the story's beginning, I decided to write it all out for you so you can know beyond the shadow of a doubt the reliability of what you were taught. Later in the Bible, in a letter written by John, he says, my dear friends, don't believe everything you hear. 
carefully weigh and examine what people tell you. At one point, the Apostle Paul condemned the church in Galatia for not questioning teachings they received. And Jesus even tells people to question and seek out the truth. I mean, he says, See to it that you not be misled. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. I think C.S. Lewis gets at why we're supposed to use reason and intellect when we approach faith and why it's so important. He wrote, It's not reason that's taking away my faith. On the contrary, my faith is based on reason. Faith is the art of holding on to things your reason has once accepted in spite of your changing moods. That's why daily praying and religious reading and church going are necessary parts of the Christian life. He continues by saying, faith must be fed. And as a matter of fact, if you examined a hundred people who had lost their faith in Christianity, I would wager very few were reasoned out of it. Most people simply drift away. Is it possible that many people just drift away from faith because they just drifted into it in the first place? The reality is the religion we associate with often has more to do with what our parents believed and where we live than anything else. And one of the things that I appreciate about Storyline is that this is a really tough audience. I mean, if you're here and you're resonating with who we are and what we're doing, that means you're probably asking some really tough questions about the Bible and about faith, about life, and about yourself. And maybe you've had some painful issues with religion or the church, or maybe you still do. But it just seems to me that in this community, we would agree with one author when he says, very few of the world's people are doing much thinking, if any, when they first become tied to a religion. There's virtually no comparison shopping going on when it comes to the adoption of religions throughout the global population. There's no weighing of evidence and assessing of arguments. There's no time given for fair hearings of alternative beliefs or counter explanations for religious claims. Now, in other words, most of us don't really think through, analyze, or question which of the world's religions, if any, that we're gonna be connected to. Now, when we're little, I think that this is not only okay, but it's good. But as we grow up, we have to ask questions and be skeptical because if we just drift into faith, we may just drift out. I mean, is this why we're seeing such a mass exodus from the Christian faith in America? The Bible tells us to test everything and hold on to what is good. Even Jesus did that. He asked tough questions of God all the time. And when everything was crashing down on him, he asked God, does it have to be like this? When things were at their worst, he asked God, why have you left me? I mean, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, wasn't afraid to ask tough questions. And here's why I think that matters so much. Having faith in God and in his grace is important because it changes us. It changes who we are, I would argue, for the better, but the only way we're able to be transformed is if we are committed to living out this life of faith in the grace of God. But that's not something that we can or will or should frankly commit to if we've never asked the difficult questions, sought the difficult answers, or really searched for truth. You know, to be honest, I just want to align my life with truth wherever that truth may be. That's why I love science so much. And so 
When I became a Christian at the age of 17, I honestly thought, I'll try it, and when it doesn't work out, I'll search for truth somewhere else. And here I am, 20-some years later, I'm still searching for truth, but I haven't found any that's worth basing my life on anywhere else other than Jesus. Truth is everywhere. We just need to look for it. But truth that I can commit my life to, that can change me, is found in God. I mean, it is God. And so all of this brings us to the biggest challenge, which is that truth isn't always fun. I mean, discovering we're wrong isn't comfortable or easy to deal with. And seeking out truth can cause more pain, hurt, and hardship in our lives than if we just believe. But that isn't what Jesus is inviting us into. The life of faith in the grace of God is hard to live out. It calls for a deep commitment from us. And that means our faith must be childlike, full of wonder, questions, and curiosity. Yeah, even doubt and confusion sometimes. This is why we need to be skeptical, why it's okay to doubt, and why it's helpful to ask hard questions. Because this is how we go from what we're supposed to believe to what we have chosen or who we have chosen to have faith in. on your 
it's cultural, comfortable, and genetic for us to be believers. Yet real life is often like the summer I've had of asking a lot of questions, getting answers we don't really understand, and discovering there's a lot more we don't know than we do know. So the question before each and every one of us is not if we believe, but do we have faith, an active, ongoing, and growing trust in the goodness of God and his way for us? I think we have good reasons to do just that because in and through Jesus, God has said something and it very clearly is, I love you. Building our life on that reality is not something we drift into through belief. It's something we decide by faith. Let's pray. God, thank you for the chance to be together this morning. Uh, we ask that you would help us to see are we looking with an open heart through an open window at the sky, or have we just painted it blue? Help us discover where our beliefs have clouded our vision and to scrape those away to be able to see the possibilities of living out the life of faith in your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for coming this morning. Have a great Sunday.